Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the Norwood Noise Podcast. It is the new year, 2023, and we are back, back in person. Myself, Evan Schibble, physically sitting next to Graham Griffith for the first time in nearly a calendar year here. It's January 7th. It's a Sunday. We kind of discussed, I think Sundays are going to be kind of our new thing. Um, they just make sense for both of our schedules, and then that way we can, you know, in a very clean manner, recap an entire week of college hoops and also preview you for the next one coming up. So look forward to those Sunday evening episodes or Maybe be posted Monday morning, just depending on the schedules. But one way or another, we'll get you the content weekly, as always. Um, Graham, welcome back. Welcome to 2023. Uh, school years or school semesters starting here in a couple days. Um, you know, just constant uh, battle for attention here between yourself with you know school and basketball. Uh, are you ready for the challenge this semester? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's really good to be back after. You know, being gone for so long, last time we talked, you're talking transfer portal stuff, and now we're enthralled into the season. Good to be back side by side makes things a lot easier. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the fact that school's, you know, less than 16 hours away as, as we're <laughs> recording this is just crazy. Um, the multitasking will begin. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the college basketball season has been really crazy so far. There's been a lot of parity. So I'm really excited, you know, dive in. It'll be a lot easier to do it person to person. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And and you couldn't have said it better, Graham. I mean, seriously, lots of parity. So many games over the past, even especially a couple weeks as we've really gotten into this conference season, have been very, very competitive, you know, surprising upsets and victories. And sure, part of that is just teams finding their footing, you know, teams that did really well in non-conference, finding the challenge of conference play, et cetera, et cetera. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but overall, it is still just a lot of really shocking results. Teams like FAU, I think, are among among the most surprising and really honestly confusing for us college basketball, you know, so-called analysts or fanalists. Um, because you've got them going to Vegas, which sure is not a true road game, but into Arizona territory, um, excuse me, and getting a huge, huge, huge victory over a very, very good Arizona team. And then backing that up, with a loss at Florida Gulf Coast, uh, who I think is currently, yeah, 281 at Kempom. And then you know, went over East Carolina, and then you turn around and lose to Charlotte on the road as well uh, within the same week. So within the span of two weeks, you get a win over Arizona, a, one of, clearly a national title contender. Um, and then you lose to, a, you know, you get a Q4, and right now Charlotte's in a Q2 loss, um, and just not... Really, I mean, really shocking, shocking results at FAU amongst many of this week. Um, Graham, I got to watch some of, I got to watch most of that Arizona game, and then I got to watch some of the Florida Gulf Coast game. Um, 
and I don't really know what to think about the Owls. Do you have any more insight as to you know how you're feeling about them at this point of the season? Yeah, I think um, I already made the statement to a few people that I think that what's going to happen with FAU is you know they're going to drop some of these games, and I could very well see them you know dropping some bad um, games in their new conference is going to be a little bit more of a challenge than last year. Um, and I think that, you know, they're going to end up at that three, four, five spot in the tournament. And then, you know, they'll handle business round one and you're, they're going to match up with a team that won't want to see them. Um, I think that there's been some panic about them, you know, missing the tournament and they won't be on bubble watch. I think that's out of the question. Um, just because, I mean, this is a really talented, deep team that, in an era where you know there's been so much fluctuation on roster every single season that the fact that they brought so many people back from a team that defied expectations last season shows that um, this is a team that you can't write off and they're going to win you big games. And, you know, there are some very good games, you know, coming up for them um, with – Tulane and North Texas and SMU and Memphis, Memphis especially. Memphis has been really good to start the season. That they'll get those win- they can get those wins and they'll be fine. Um, they just really have to be careful that they can't really afford to lose that many of those bad games. And in this conference, since they're in a smaller one, unlike a Big Twelve or Big East, the games that you drop can be really really bad. Yeah. Um, so they definitely have to be a little bit more careful about how they're going about things because, you know, one or two losses that may look really bad, um, those are going to be hard to get back, especially in a conference where there isn't that many wins to balance it out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, outside of Memphis, there's really probably no other tournament teams uh, in the American this year. And, yeah, that just isn't really, you know, super advantageous for them. So. All right, moving swiftly onward, another team that's kind of going in the opposite direction, really looking like probably the best team in the country right now, or one of them, surely, up there with Purdue. We're going to talk about the Houston Cougars a little bit. We haven't given them a lot of run, um, simply because so far this season, really all they've done is take care of business. Um, they have they have a couple good wins. they got a good win against Texas A&M uh, in, a, in a neutral game in, uh, in Houston. So, you know, semi-neutral, I guess you could probably say. Uh, and then you got a good win against Dayton in the Shriners Classic uh, in, out in Charleston. You got a good win against a solid Utah team. You get the win, you know, here in the Cintas Center at Xavier. Um, but now they're getting into the meat of the schedule. Uh, and through the Big 12, as the Big 12 goes, you only have three quad three games um, and only three, what is it, three quad two games on the schedule remaining for Houston. Everything else is quad one. Um, so plenty of opportunities to take difficult losses you know, get some big wins, <coughs> excuse me, uh, things of that nature. Most importantly, coming up this Tuesday, or in a couple nights, they go on the road to Hilton Coliseum. Never an easy game there. The students are going to be jacked up uh, and ready to go for that one. Then you follow that with a road game at TCU um, before you get a little bit of a breath with Texas Tech and UCF. Um, and then, yeah, again, more meat in the schedule there. You, you know, the, the three of the next four are BYU, at BYU, at Texas, at Kansas. I mean, that is just an unreal stretch there um, for Houston. So they are the last undefeated team in the country. Um, personally, I'm going to throw a guess out there that they're – I'm going to say they stay undefeated. Mm, man, I, I have a hard time seeing them getting through both these road games this week. 
But I think if they do, they could probably get to that Texas or that Kansas game in late January, early February. Um, but unfortunately, with the losses from James Madison, uh, most likely, and then obviously Ole Miss as well, James Madison was probably our last chance at you know truly an undefeated uh, team this season because Houston just plays too many quality opponents. Same with Ole Miss over there in the SEC. Um, but yeah, so I guess I would say I have a hard time seeing them get through both of these. But if they do, I'll give them until that Texas game in late January. Graham, do you differ on that? Um, before I get into Houston, I have to talk about James Madison real quick. Of course. Commendable season, undefeated, but you cannot go into Southern Miss this year expecting anything other than a loss. Um, they do have a Shout former – Our boy. Yeah, former preseason All-American Andre Corbello. That's an unreal um, thing to say about a Southern Miss player. Yeah. That's hilarious. I mean, he's just one of the best players, super dynamic, had a triple-double this season. Um, <laughs> As a point guard. Yeah. Yeah, triple-double. I mean, he's he's very good. But back to the task at hand with Houston, um, I thought this was just an unbelievable you know, nugget and a testament to how dominant that they've been so far. Um, early in the season, they play a Utah team that – Utah's 30th and Kempom, like, this is a good team. And they scored 66 points on them. That's the highest. Second highest is Xavier with 60. And then no one else has scored um, more than 60 points against them this season, which I just think is unbelievable. Um, so that really sets them up for, you know, a commendable record going into a very tough stretch, as you said, with going into at Iowa State and at TCU. Iowa State, very tough place to play, and they look like they're starting to piece it together really well. They gave Oklahoma a good run the other day on the road. Yeah, and TCU, who we didn't really know what to think about them, is still going to be a team that you know might be a little bit closer to the middle in Big 12, but closer to the middle in the Big 12 could probably win the ACC. 100%, and it's easily getting you a tournament spot. Yeah, so they're very two tough games, and then they have a nice little stretch of Texas Tech and UCF. But even Texas Tech is a very solid I mean, Texas, solid Texas team. Tech just beat Texas on the road last night. Yeah. So, I mean, and McCaslin, great coach. Like, who knows yeah. what to expect out of them? It, Big 12 is an absolutely tough stretch. And I really just think of, not that I think this Houston team is fraudulent or anything, but I can't see them going undefeated for much longer just because if they somehow miraculously get through two of those road games, you know, a quick turnaround on Wednesday, slipping up against Texas Tech, and then you're hosting a UCF team that, like, you maybe write off at BYU is going to be a very tough game. Um, this BYU team looks like a very solid team right now. Um, this Houston team, while they've been really good, I just think in this era of college basketball that if you somehow, by a miraculous turn of events, can get their non-conference play um, – you know, unscratched. I just can't see you doing well that quickly into conference play. Um, but they do look like one of them, you know, a national title contender. And this has been the storyline with Houston ever since they joined the Big 12. It's like, yes, you've been so good for years in the American, but are you going to be able to do it right. in a bigger conference? And if there's one way to silence the doubters right now, it's to run the table in the Big 12. 100%. Because, because no, so many teams have had so many issues with trying to take down Kansas and this this just fortress that they've set up in the Big 12. If you can come in and silence the haters and at the very least get a share in your first year in the Big 12, I mean, that's a testament to that program and to Kelvin Sampson. Yeah. Um, 
and just just to add on to that is um there's so many good teams in the tournament last year kansas state is the one that most notably comes to mind that like they you know they took some losses and you look at the conference records like oh i don't know how do you rank them like those are the teams that like houston's gonna have to prove that you know they can play against like there's not a north texas in this conference this year um and or yeah and even like you know the bottom feeders like this west virginia team oklahoma state ucf like that's going to be a lot tougher than the bottom feeders that they had to play. 100%. So, if there's a way that they could prove it, I mean, the first two games are an absolutely great um, great example of how this team's going to go this year. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, and looking at that Big 12 depth, we were kind of having a debate before the show, and we wanted to bring it on to the show. The Big 12 versus Big East debate this year I think is really interesting because <coughs> excuse me, um, because as we kind of discussed, I think, on our last episode, the the Big East is starting to, at least this year, mirror what the Big 12 has been in past years with kind of a smaller set of teams, but still having a very, very competitive, um, you know, very, very competitive crew or, you know, set of teams all the way through top to bottom. Um, and so I'm looking here at the Sagan rankings here uh, per USA Today, and you've got... The Big 12, still far and away, ranked as the best conference with their kind of central mean uh, in the way that Sagarin uh, um, computes these numbers of 85.5. And actually, the Big 10 is second closest with an 84.0, and then the Big East fall in third with an 82.6. It's a central average mean rankings um, of kind of all of the teams, uh, as well as averaged out with the amount of teams in the conference and things like that. So... Um, it's an interesting ranking to look at. I think that I don't personally. Obviously, you can't argue with the numbers, you know, clearly. But I think personally, I would say the Big East is probably slightly harder, just because there are no gimme gimme games in the Big East. I'd say there are in the Big Ten, but there's a couple more. Um, I mean, outside of DePaul this year in the Big East, there's not one team I think that you could walk into their their away arena and be expecting a victory. And really, I mean, even last year, even teams like DePaul were difficult to play on the road as Xavier saw last year. So I just think that uh, top to bottom, the Big East is so solid. And then I think the Big 12, while proving us wrong and showing us that some of these teams that we kind of thought would be bottom feeders, um, BYU, Cincinnati, um, even TCU, have clearly proven that they are much, much better than we thought they were going to be. Um, and they will continue to be competitive and difficult and, and not easy wins for some of these top teams. I would still, I think, take top to bottom the Big East over the Big 12 this year. Graham, I didn't know if you thought differently about that, um, you know, or kind of where you were at on on that. Yeah, in in terms of who's going to produce better teams, I think top-heavy it's going to be the Big 12, just because you have Kansas and Houston are might be one seeds. And I think that um, the Big East – and it's already proving, I mean, this early, that they're just going to beat the crap out of each other every single night. Like, you know, Marquette was consensus, like, going to be one of the best teams in the country. They returned everyone except one player, and they plugged in that one player with Joplin, who was a, you know, a rotational guy, started some games last year. Like, it's very much the same team that looked really good last year. And they have two conference losses. And... 
you look, you know, at Providence, and Providence loses Bryce Hopkins, an NBA player, and they go into Creighton, which is a tough place to play, and gave them a good game until, you know, Creighton pulled away down the stretch. Right. I mean, I think that the Big East is just going to beat the crap out of each other, which might be good in terms of, you know, who's going to make the tournament just because you're going to have so many teams with, like, good quad one records because every game is going to end up being a, you know, quad one win. Whereas Big 12 might have, you know, overall better teams. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm still taking, um, you know, Big East to do what do better in the tournament just because of the coaching pedigree in the Big East yeah. is better than any other conference in the country right now um and you know i feel bad you know crapping on depaul so much but other than outside of depaul every single coach has something that you can attach to and say oh yeah look what they've been able to do right and you know some people you know might raise an eyebrow about seton hall and villanova the fact that villanova is three and one in conference play and they've haven't taken much of a they, drop. I mean, they, and they've been a pretty, like, mediocre team to start the season, really. I mean, and we can all, I think, admit that, that Villanova in non-con play wasn't all that exciting. But in conference play, they've proven to be very, very formidable. Yeah. And Seton Hall, who Xavier beat by 20, and you weren't quite sure. And, you know, Shaheen Holloway kind of gets a little bit of crap. But at the end of the day, he took a bad team yeah. to the Elite Eight, and is 3-1. and one with great wins right. over Marquette. Marquette and UConn, who are the two preseason best teams. So I think they that probably will end, end the season as the best team. I don't really think there's a ton of debate about that. I mean, I think that there's a pretty clear one-two in the Big East right now, and then after that it's just going to be a kind of a sledgehammer of, you know, what teams can make it out alive. Yeah, so it's really hard for me to pick one. I think in terms of who's going to produce better teams going into March, I think I have to say um, the Big 12. In terms of who's going to do better in the tournament, I'm still going to ride high with uh, the Big East. That's a really good way to put it, and that's a good way to kind of wrap that. Um, all right, well, let's take a quick tour around. Uh, a couple notable results from the past week, and then we'll roll into a preview of this week. Um, we did have – this one kind of snuck up on me, Graham. I don't know if you were in the same boat as me. I was just watching football uh, last on New Year's Eve last Sunday, and Stanford decided to just drop the century mark on Arizona. Um a little bit of a shocker there, but Arizona's proven uh, this week with a couple good wins to continue their Pac-12 play and showing that that was completely, you know, a complete coincidence. Stanford did hit 16 threes in that game, so it's kind of hard to win that game when, you know, that's one of the stats, you know, going against you. Um, so that that one was worth noting, but uh, but definitely a, an obscure uh, result at that. Miami gets a big win. Uh, over uh, Clemson, dropping 95 on Clemson. Uh, I was I'm high on the Tigers this year. They're super fun to watch. I think they're a really good team. Um, but obviously Clemson uh, wasn't enough for uh, 95 from the entire uh, starting five of Miami. No bench points in that game as well. Graham noted that for me before the show. I thought that was worth noting. Um, and then Seton Hall uh, gets a good win against Providence. This is the game, unfortunately, though, for Providence, where they did lose Bryce Hopkins to a season-ending ACL tear. Um, that's brutal for Providence. I think Kim English has something really good going. you got to give the guy respect for working with what he had, try, actually being able to keep a lot of what Ed Cooley left behind in-house, which was really, really impressive. So good on him for doing that, and obviously a huge blow to this Providence team, which I think still projects as an NCAA tournament team and can probably do it. 
Um, but definitely worth noting that it's going to be a more difficult road now, losing your best player. Good on the Pirates for getting another quality win there in the Big East. Um, Friday night, we had a couple of good games. Purdue and Illinois. Obviously, Illinois would have been much more fun uh, if Terrence Shannon was still around. Um, but he has been suspended from the team indefinitely uh, on uh, after being arrested, actually, in the state of Kansas um, for a rape charge. So uh, he is away from the team in the time being. Um, again, we don't really have any further information on that to this point, uh, but we'll update you when we do. Just for now, Terrence Shannon will be away from the team. Obviously, All-American candidate and uh, obviously a huge piece of that Illinois team. So huge blow for uh, Underwood and his squad there. Purdue does well to, to take care of business and win at home there. Uh, despite a shaky second half, Illinois with a late push there in that game kind of surprised me. But uh, good, on, good, on the, good on the Illini for making a close game. And then, man, Butler, shout out to one of my favorite moments on the pod last year. Um, was you telling Butler to, to grow a pair um, when this exact game was happening last year with UConn coming to Hinkle? Um, and, man, they almost did it this year. So, so close. They had the game in hand pretty much all game. Uh, took a seven-point lead into halftime and really held control throughout, you know, the first couple of wars in the second half. UConn able to squeak it out, though, on the road, 88-81. Good victory for them. Kansas and TCU played an awesome game in Allen Fieldhouse on Saturday afternoon. Again, TCU for me, someone that I wasn't looking past as a, you know, as a Kansas fan. I wasn't saying, oh, this should be an easy win. But um, even the betting markets had uh, Kansas at minus 12.5 before this game. And it did get down to about 9.5. But even then, still heavily favored in the Jayhawks' favor. Uh, this game had, what did we say, 26, 27 uh, lead changes, something like that. Uh, let's see if I can find this. Um, either way, quite a few, um, this doesn't have lead changes. Either way, largest lead was, uh, six for Kansas and four for TCU, if that tells you how close that game was. I'm pretty sure it was 20-some, 25, 26, uh, lead changes in that game. Pretty unbelievable stuff. Uh, just haymakers back and forth from both those teams all game. Uh, Dickinson gets a layup with about 20 seconds to go to lock in the win for the Hawks. So, uh, that was a fun one. Kentucky with a great comeback win on the road in the swamp against Florida. Um, that's a big one for them. A, a tough road environment. That was Kentucky's first kind of true road test of the season. So that was awesome. Seton Hall, again, like we said, gets another great win, 78-75 over Marquette. Um, and then Cincinnati was really the other big surprising uh, win of the evening. Excuse me. Um, they go on the road to BYU and get a huge Second half comeback victory, outscoring the Cougars 47-29 in the second half, winning 71-60. I mean, just unbelievable game there from Cincinnati and a great win for them in West Miller's side to really prove that they, they, you know, they're they're around to stay and, and you know be in the conversation here in the Big 12 as we get into conference season. Utah State, a big win over Colorado State. Their home arena just gets absolutely rocking uh, when they're good. So I'm absolutely um, – so I'm just absolutely loving – uh, watching Utah State play, um, and and just, I mean, really the Mountain West as a whole is going to be awesome to watch this year, so make sure to keep an eye out. Um, and then, like we mentioned earlier, Texas Tech in that win over Texas, um, kind of routed out, or in, and then Creighton with the win over Providence as well. Right now, a really good week and weekend of college hoops, um, and, and rolling us into our first, I think, real week of, of full-on, full-fledged conference slate um, so I'm going to highlight a couple here. Graham, I'll let you kind of take it um, wherever you like with this week's preview. Plenty to look at, I think, a couple. I'm just going to highlight 
Tuesday, you got BYU at Baylor. That's, of course, on ESPN Plus, 9 o'clock Eastern. Colorado State at Boise State, 9 o'clock Eastern. I'm assuming that'll be on Fox Sports 1. So that's another good one. Um, and then on Wednesday, uh, you've got the Huskies are traveling here to, uh, to Xavier for a tough game for them. Oklahoma's got to go on the road to TCU, so that'll be another good one. Um, Thursday, Michigan State's got to go to Illinois. Could be a sneaky one there. Uh, Florida Atlantic plays on the road again. Who knows what's happening there now is – you know, they're starting to look a little shaky as conference play begins for them. And then Saturday, a full slate. You got Oklahoma's playing at Kansas, uh, so that's always going to be a good one. Kentucky's playing at Texas A&M. Texas A&M, shaky start to the season, but I still think they're a really talented team. Uh, Xavier's going on the road to Providence. Um, you got Houston going to TCU, like we mentioned earlier. They got that Iowa State game earlier this week as well. Cincinnati's going to Baylor. Um, so really just a full slate this week. Uh, in college hoops, and you know, before we get back to you on Sunday, of course, Graham, I'm going to turn it over to you. Um, what's maybe two or three that you're really, you know, excited to uh, to watch this week? If you if you can carve out the time, of course. Yeah, the first game um, that I'm really looking forward to is you know after a tough loss um, to Cincinnati, BYU is trying to you know establish themselves that they are a formidable team. Um, you know, 12th ranked of the country as we speak, it will probably drop a little bit. Um, but they have a you know a good test in going into a really tough Baylor team in their new arena. Um, Which I, it looks beautiful. Yeah, Can't wait to see it on TV. This is you know Baylor's first game, so in, in the new arena. So you have to see um, you know if the crowd's going to be buzzing. That's a great game because you know Baylor's going to be trying to win for the home crowd, and BYU's you know doesn't want to drop to zero and two because as we've talked about plenty that um, you know it, it's hard you know. To trade games in the Big 12, you don't want to get behind this early and start out 0-2. Um, secondly, you know Texas A&M um, going into at Auburn, and then as you mentioned, they play Kentucky this week. Um, it's to, kind of a prove it moment for Texas A&M. Right, I, that was exactly my point, and I'm not that I'm rooting against them, but I did have them not being as good as people <laughs> yeah, thought. So you're right, you're right. Uh, we did. We were contrary on that one. Yeah, so they prove it to me and prove it to the rest of the nation that you know this is a very good team, and what better way to do it than you know to beat two ranked teams? Um, they have you know a really good opportunity there. Uh, on Wednesday, uh, Butler travels to at Providence uh, at Marquette, sorry, and Butler you know was kind of that confusing team to start that. Um, are they good? Are they not good? And they've dropped three Big East games in a row after beating Georgetown at home by a whopping 20 points. Marquette's coming off a loss to Seton Hall where they did not look good at all, especially Tyler Kolick. This is, you know, this is a, in a troublesome spot, and I always love these games where both teams are trying to prove something. Marquette, you know, trying to get back to where they were after, you know, a really confusing loss where they did not look – anywhere like we thought we were going to look to start conference play. And Butler doesn't want to drop four games in a row. Um, and I think that's going to be an absolutely great test for them. And looking ahead, you know, Saturday the 13th, um, one game that I'm looking forward to is Oklahoma-Kansas. Kansas, you know, comes in um, looking very good. They, you know, as we mentioned you know, previously about the TCU Kansas game being such a bloodbath. Um, Oklahoma one and zero as well. I would really, really be excited to see if Oklahoma can you know bring some life um, 
into this game, you know, 13-1, how awesome would it be, you know, if, if they can get on in onto a really, really good start, especially, you know, with the Big 12 being able to, you know, pull games against each other. And K- Kansas, you know, after some questions about, you know, what their ability is going to be, you know, I mean, you yourself as a Jayhawk fan, of you know, question, you know, the depth and the scoring ability on this team. Um, if they are able to defend home court, um, you know, that really sets them up well, um, especially against a hungry Oklahoma team. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be a great, you know, real first full week. And obviously, you know, college football playoff tomorrow night, um, the final. So we'll kind of get all the college football fans officially over on board with college hoops starting tomorrow. Um, speaking of Graham, who you got tomorrow night? Washington. <laughs> I, I, I could have guessed. Could have guessed. Um, yeah, even as a Michigan fan, I, I, I'm I having a really hard time. I think it's going to be a good game. Here's what, I've, here's what I've continued to say. If if the final score is in the 30s or anything higher, I think Washington's winning the game. If it's in the 20s or lower, I think Michigan wins. If they're able to control it and keep it in, in a, as a defensive matchup, I think the Wolverines will have the upper hand. Anything else, I think the Huskies got it. So either way, hopefully it's a good one. But yeah, then we'll get all our, our college football friends over here finally for the uh, for the remainder of the college hoop season. So that'll be good. Um, and then of course NFL playoffs next weekend too. Would love to see my Chiefs match up against your Steelers. That'd be a fun one. Um, but yeah, we'll find all that out later. Uh, and we'll have probably some updates on that for you all next week as well. So wrapping up real briefly with the Musketeer minute. Uh, Xavier takes a, a really really tough loss. Um, against Villanova on uh, in midweek past this past week. Um, but you can't can't let the emotions get you down here. Obviously, sitting 7-7, not where you wanted to be this season, um, kind of at this point of the, of the season. Although I will say, I did say a few weeks back, obviously not thinking we would lose some of these other games, but you need two of those four, Cincinnati, uh, Houston, Villanova, UConn. Still got a chance on Wednesday, or to, yeah, on Wednesday to go get uh, the second of those four. Um, so you're going, you know, at home. Obviously, students are back on campus. Environment is just going to be absolutely thumping in the Centos Center as it has been all season, but especially now. Um, you know, I, I'm back. I can't wait to get to a game. I think it's so special. That's going to be my first game back. Uh, and then you you double that back with a tough road game against Providence over the weekend. So, Graham, first of all, what, um, what were kind of the biggest things that you took away that you felt that the team took away from last week's loss um and where are they at where's their mindset at going into this week um because obviously a very difficult week ahead as is every week in the big east um but what were kind of the biggest uh glaring takeaways for you out of this past week because obviously another frustrating loss to add to the resume for the musketeers this year where really you had chances to win and probably i'm sure many of them felt like they should have pulled out with a victory there in a really tough fought game against a good villanova team um, so yeah, what are kind of the biggest takeaways you think and, and where you think the team's mindset's at going into a tough week this week? Yeah, I think, um, especially in the big East with how tough it's going to be, you, re- there's really no room for moral victories at all, but you have to look at this game with a, a clear head and realize how close you are to getting to the point where you want to be because the Seton Hall game looked exactly as high of a ceiling as you can have. I mean, the UC and the Seton Hall game, if you look at those games individually, and then you compare any of the other games, I mean, it's night and day. Um, And the Villanova game is really frustrating because you really did well defensively down the stretch, 
um, holding them to no made field goals in the in the under five minutes, and you got good shots that, you know, shots that you were making all game and all season. Um, so you really can't hang your head about that. Um, but you know, as as a Xavier fan and as other Xavier fans, I hope are able to you know point after, is that, um, in a game that it felt like we didn't rebound the ball that well, you know, missed a lot of opportunities. Um, Yao rebounded them. You shot a hundred percent from the free throw line. Uh, you had more points in the paint. You had more um, fast break points. You uh had less turnovers you had you know more steals like i really thought that that i mean if you showed me the you know the team stat box score you really would have thought that we won this game and i thought that we're getting very close to where we want to be and it's just unfortunate that that has to come at the cost of losing um really poorly against st john's and now you're you know the iron being you know an inch bigger than beating Villanova on the road, right? Which it took one of the best teams Xavier's seen in the past five years to do. I mean that beating Villanova on the road is a very tough thing to do, especially for Xavier. Um, and you know you're just a basket away from beating a really good team. Um, and I think that really I have to stress the importance of building off of this game because this UConn game is. A very very tough test. Um, while Houston may be proving to be a, you know a little bit of a better team, and going to Purdue on the road is a very tough game. Now they're number one in the country. Um, I think that this at UConn game, other than UC because of the you know the story and the history behind it, is going to be our toughest game of the year, solely because of what's at stake here. Because if you beat UConn at home and defend home court. You're two and two in a conference where everyone else is scrapping right there. Like, obviously, there's going to be games, you know, this week. But as it stands, you know, Creighton is two and two, uh, Marquette is two and two, Providence is two and two. Like, we could be right there, and UConn would be three and two. Like, we'd have the same amount of losses as the UConn team, who is marginally better. Like, the Big East is so early that. If you're able to, you know, pull it together and play the way that you've played against UC and play against way against Seton Hall, I really think that this team is just a few games away from getting it together. And based on the showings in Seton Hall and Villanova, I think it's proved that that if you told me, you know, you're only a few games away from really figuring it out, if you told me that in the Delaware Oakland stretch, I would you would have laughed in your face. Right. I mean, this team keeps improving, but now um, you know, objects in the mirror are closer than they appear that if you don't figure it out, you're in for a really, really tough season. Just as we said with BYU, just as I said with BYU a few minutes ago, like, if you start off on the bad foot, it's going to be really hard to pull yourself together standings-wise. Right. Not, not quad one wins-wise. Standing-wise, it's hard to get back to where you want to be if you start off on the wrong foot. And going two and two is very different than going one and three, mm-hmm. um, especially with at Providence on the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be a really, really intriguing and and tone setting week for for Xavier as we as we look ahead. I, I think moving forward towards the end of this month and and into, into February into March, 
we will look back on this week as as being a tone-setting week for Xavier one way or another. So intrigued to see it. Can't wait to see it. Um, I think the boys have got every bit of potential uh, to do it and shock us and, and go get a win or even two this week. Um, but this will be a tone-setting week for sure as we get into the teeth of the Big East. So thank you all, as always, for joining us here on Sunday, January 7th. Um, we will get this up for you as soon as possible, and you can enjoy it. Uh, in your podcast feed, and then expect us uh, to return again about this time next week uh, for another update on, of course, everyone's favorite, the NFL playoffs, and maybe you know a couple college basketball games here and there. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us. We'll catch you all very, very soon. Again, myself, Evan Shibble, alongside Graham Griffith on the Norwood Noise Podcast, signing off. Catch you again next week. Cheers.